podcast coming to you from YouTube, iTunes, Facebook, SoundCloud, Spreaker. I'm on Twitter too, at the Brad Whitaker. I'm Brad Whitaker. LeBron James didn't play last night, and people are pissed. I'm going to talk about that and my NFL Week 11 picks, but first. Let's get to the most important thing on everyone's mind, at least on my mind right away, because I'm convinced he can win. Conor McGregor versus Floyd Mayweather in a boxing match. We know it's not going to happen in MMA. That would be ridiculous, especially at Floyd's age. He doesn't know how to fight martial arts. But it would be an intriguing boxing match. The money would be record-setting. Some are saying it could potentially bring in $500 million. I think that is an extremely conservative estimate, considering Pacquiao Mayweather brought in $410 million. With that in mind, Conor, he was asking for $100 million for this fight. He's, he's, Conor's acting like this might be sort of a crazy idea, but he's into it because he knows the money would be incredible. And I don't think $100 million is asking for too much in a fight that could make five hundred. I think more like $800 million. Now, of course, McGregor would have to sort things out with Dana White, but the UFC has so much to gain from a fight like this. And already, you know, UFC is silencing the boxing world. The biggest fight in the last year was the return of 37-year-old Manny Pacquiao, who we all know didn't really retire, and nobody really watched the fight. They said, oh, Pacquiao fought tonight? Oh, I thought he was retired. Okay. Yeah, it, it's nobody even knows who the heavy, world heavyweight champion is in boxing. Boxing has everything to lose if this McGregor-Floyd Mayweather fight happens. And Floyd has a lot to lose, too, with his undefeated record. But I don't think that's going to be enough to deter Floyd, because as he says, I am a businessman, and he knows he's capable of perhaps pocketing... $300 million if he puts on this kind of a fight. Now, Connor's only shot to win this fight would have to be by a knockout. But at Floyd's age and his style of fighting, you know, you know Mayweather's going to try to go the distance if that fight does happen. 10 to 12 rounds. Mayweather's last knockout was in 2011 versus Victor Ortiz. The days of him knocking out people are long gone. That's never really been his style. In the middle of his career, he had a bit of a stretch where he knocked out a lot of fighters. But if Floyd Mayweather is going into a fight at this point in his career, he wants to go the distance. It's understandable why pay-per-view buyers always, always seem to be disappointed because there's nothing sexy about Mayweather's fighting style. Although it's extremely smart and tactical. Extremely smart. But that would give McGregor, who runs out of energy in MMA, I think boxing he could conserve a little bit more energy. That's why MMA fights only go for five rounds, as opposed to uh, 10 to 12 rounds in boxing. But McGregor would have 10 to 12 rounds to try and catch the greatest defensive fighter of all time. Like, he's... The judges are aren't going to give McGregor any favors if that fight happens. But, could Connor do it? He only needs to land one shot. 
I'm not saying it's going to happen, but if McGregor could somehow do it, if McGregor could knock out Floyd Mayweather, which McGregor knocks out his fighters usually in the first or second round. Now that's MMA, this is boxing, we all know it's different. I'm not saying it's going to happen, I'm not saying McGregor should be favored by any stretch of the imagination. But if you're betting, I would bet on Connor to cover. If Connor could somehow knock out Floyd, though, that knockout wouldn't be just a knockout for the end of Floyd's career. It would be a knockout for boxing as well. And that's the only thing I think keeping this fight from happening. Not even Floyd, though he has a lot to lose, he's not going to turn down a 500 million plus fight. And unlike Conor with the UFC, Floyd doesn't need the WBA, WBC, or IBF to make this fight happen. It could be a Costco-sanctioned event in one of their warehouses, and the fight would still make $750 million. God, this could be a $1 billion fight. And it makes sense. The world wants to see an MMA fighter go up against, arguably the greatest pound-for-pound fighter of all time. And it could be bad news for Floyd. Not likely, but... Connor is unpredictable with his punches. We saw that with Eddie Alvarez. I said in my podcast after UFC 205 that... It almost did look like an MMA fighter versus a boxer... When Connor faced Eddie... Eddie was bouncing around, there was a certain rhythm to his punches, he looked in great shape. He looked like he was ready to win that fight. But the thing about Connor is, there really is no rhythm to his fighting style. He's tall and lanky, so he can kind of have an advantage in jump weight classes the way he does. His reach is incredible. He keeps his legs apart and stays balanced on the balls of his feet, but doesn't bounce around like a boxer. And because of that, you can't see his punches coming. And for a fighter like Floyd Mayweather, who's made an entire career of judging and countering within a split millisecond, Connor could be a matchup nightmare. Now, I know Connor's not a boxer. He's going to have to call Freddie Roach, but... I want to see it happen. The world wants to see it happen. And at Floyd's age, I'm not saying he's the underdog, but this could potentially be a tough fight for him. South Bend really counts. So you're an 8 to 10 year old in French Lake, Indiana, and you're just getting into the game of basketball. And they love their basketball in Indiana. They really do. You're an 8 to 10 year old. Let's just say 10 year old. I don't know why I keep saying 8 to 10. Let's say you're a 10 year old, and you finally have the chance to go to your first Indiana Pacers game. Oh, it's exciting. 
your parents got you ticket and tickets, and guess what game it is? The Cleveland Cavaliers and LeBron James. The defending champion Cleveland Cavaliers. You cannot wait to go. Not only do you get to see your team, the Indiana Pacers, on their home floor for the first time. And that's a big moment in every young sports fan's life. Not only do you get to see that, you get to see LeBron James, who at the end of his career may be the greatest basketball player of all time. But then you get to that game, and you look, and you you get there maybe 10 minutes before the game starts. You know, you've been worried you're going to be running late in traffic, and you, you look down at the players warming up, and you go, where's LeBron? Where is he? And then you look to the bench, and they're sitting in street clothes is LeBron James. Kids have cell phones these days, like 8-year-olds, so chances are this this 10-year-old kid pulls out his phone, he goes on Twitter or whatever it is, and he sees LeBron James is taking a rest day. And the kid begins to cry. You know what I say? Toughen up! The Pacers beat the Cleveland Cavaliers 103-93 last night. Yes, LeBron wasn't on the floor. Yes, fans were probably disappointed. They probably spent more money to go see the Cavs play in Indiana. But get over it. (laughs) He had a rest day. He sat on the sideline in street clothes. It's not a big deal. LeBron, everyone, you hear this a lot. Because LeBron is one of those players that emphasizes rest a lot. Because the NBA has a ridiculous schedule. 82 games plus a one-month preseason and a three-month postseason. LeBron's been in the final six years in a row, most likely going on seven. So, if he wants to take a rest day, it's tough luck. It's tough luck if you happen to be on that road game. You have to happen to spend a lot of money to see him play. You know, the Cavs could make those rest days at home to appease NBA fans around the country. But they're trying to win championships, and I've seen, I've heard this a lot in the media over the last few days, uh, about LeBron's going to get rest, or before the season they were saying that, and LeBron finally sat out a rest day yesterday, and Pacers fans were pissed. Of course, they won the game, and they still got to see Kyrie Irving, who should be on MVP watch this season. LeBron is doing everything he can to make Kyrie a better player. And maybe these rest days, giving Kyrie complete control of that offense, even though they didn't win, maybe that's good for him as a player. But let's put things in perspective here. So maybe the fans that really want to see LeBron and are all upset can at least empathize with him a little bit in getting rest, even at this point in the season, just a few weeks in. Now, I know sports fans have trouble with empathy, but let's just give it a shot. By the beginning of the 2015-16 season, that was last year, LeBron had already passed Magic Johnson, Larry Bird, Clyde Drexler, and Steve Nash in minutes played. This season, in all likelihood, he's going to pass, barring injury, he's going to pass Charles Barkley, Patrick Ewing, and probably Oscar Robertson. LeBron's 31 years old. He's turning 32 in December. He's logged 38,848 minutes 
so far in his career. And it's not just that. He hasn't missed that many games. Yes, he entered the league when he was 19 years old. But last year, 76 games. There's 82 games in an NBA regular season. He played 76 of them. Year before, he played in 69, but he did have some injury issues. Year before that, 77 of the 82 games he played in. Year before that, 76. Rest is important, and you're seeing this from, you know, some of the most cutting-edge sports trainers and nutritionists. Rest is more important than ever, and, you know, we... We almost get obsessed with with work ethic, which is very important. But sometimes people forget that working hard isn't the same as working smart. LeBron has barely faced any injury issues, and he's logged almost 39,000 minutes in his career. Why do you think that is? Well, he eats well. He works out hard, probably works out harder than anyone else, watches more game film than anyone else. Take note, Russell Westbrook. Yeah, Russell Westbrook said he doesn't watch game film and plays video games. I'm not going to get into that. But LeBron, why do you think that is? Why do you think his body's held up so well? Because he knows he should emphasize rest. He also knows it's a long NBA season. And Tyron Lue says he'll probably rest LeBron a lot more in January and February and after the All-Star break especially. But it makes sense. It's a long season. The NBA playoffs go on for three months. James goes to the finals every year. And will probably go again for the seventh time this year. That means he's playing full games of basketball, if you include the preseason, from October to late June. He gets three months a year off. And we know LeBron's not taking those three months off. For a player like this that's handled his workload and had so little injury, give him a break. Sometimes the kids need to learn that this is a business and winning is good for business in basketball. And that's what LeBron cares about most. That's what the team cares about most. I think he should be sitting out 20 games a season with the amount of playoff games he's played in the last six seasons. is starting time for me to make my NFL picks I'll give you the spreads my predictions if you're a gambler I encourage to pick this week's games wisely because there's a lot of let's say tough matchups to pick I think Vegas was generous in giving a lot of teams a lot of points But let's get it started. New Orleans and Carolina is tonight, Thursday night football. Carolina is a three-point favorite on the Saints. Who do you pick? 
Panthers, it looked like they were starting to turn things around last week, up 17 to nothing, and then they blew the lead late to the Chiefs. Chiefs a great discipline team. I'm actually going to pick the Panthers, only because Panthers don't have much of a pass uh, running game, which certainly helps Cam Newton, but he is going up against one of the worst offenses in football. It's probably going, our defenses in football. It's probably going to be an offensive shootout, but I'm picking Carolina to win by just under a touchdown. Carolina taking the point. Pittsburgh on the road in Cleveland. Steelers are eight-point favorites. This is one of those games I was talking about. Steelers lost last week. Big Ben was turning things around, but that defense is not great. And if you look at Pro Football Focus, they're the only website that actually follows offensive lines and rates them week to week. Cleveland Browns have one of the best offensive lines in football. Yes, they have Cody Kessler as their quarterback. But Kessler's not awful. I think he beats Case Keenum. I'm not picking Cleveland to win the game, but I'm picking them to stay within eight points. Baltimore on the road in Dallas. The Cowboys, best record in the NFL. They're a favorite by a touchdown, plus the extra point, seven points. Dallas, I have them winning, but not winning by that much. The reason why... Love Dak Prescott, love Ezekiel Elliott, love that offensive line. Defense is improving, they're underrated. But Baltimore's defense is tremendously underrated. And they're young too, they rebuilt it quickly. That's going to be... I think Prescott and Elliott are going to see things they haven't seen so far this season. Picking Dallas by a field goal. Jacksonville, visiting the Detroit Lions. Lions are 6.5 point favorites. I'm picking Detroit. Here's why. Because the Jacksonville Jaguars aren't consistent. They don't know what to do when Allen Robinson is covered by two men. They don't know what to do. Blake Bortles, I was said, watch him. He's the good young quarterback to watch going into the season. He's been a disappointment. James Winston's been a disappointment. Only Marcus Mariota's really been the quarterback going in that there were expectations of him improving a lot, and he's actually fulfilled those expectations. But I'm picking Detroit also because they have a home game and they're coming off of a bye. Teams at home coming off of byes usually win by a lot. And against a team like Jacksonville, Matthew Stafford's in the MVP running. Remember that. I'm picking the Lions to win by two touchdowns. Tennessee Titans visiting Indianapolis Colts. Colts a three-point favorite. That is ridiculous. Tennessee's going to win that game by at least three points to a touchdown, ten points. Titans have been getting better every single week. And as I mentioned, Marcus Mariota. He is literally the best quarterback of all time in the red zone. He's never thrown an interception. And he's pretty much completed all of his passes. Now, that's not going to hold up. It's a very small sample. He's a sophomore in the NFL. But this Colts team has a long way to go. I think they're slowly unraveling. And Tennessee is an organization, not a great defense... But they're on the way up, certainly offensively. In both of these defense, ten- defenses, Tennessee and Indianapolis, they both embarrass the Green Bay Packers offense. So I'm going to say it's about even between the two. But Tennessee's offense is rolling right now. I'm picking the Titans to win that game. Buffalo visiting the Cincinnati Bengals. Bengals are two-and-a-half-point favorites. Watch out for the Buffalo Bills. You see, it's, it's interesting because with the Patriots' dominance in the last decade and a half 
The AFC East teams have been dismissed, and for good reason. But they haven't all been bad. It's just they have two games every year up against New England. And the Miami Dolphins have had some good teams in those years. Not great, but good teams. And the Buffalo Bills, maybe to a lesser extent, but they've been getting better. And this is a solid Buffalo Bills team. I expect them to go into Cincinnati and win that game, picking Buffalo with the upset. Tampa Bay visiting the Kansas City Chiefs. Chiefs are seven and a half point favorites on Jameis Winston and the Bucks. Jameis Winston going into Arrowhead Stadium sounds like the biggest nightmare of his career, especially with Andy Reid's consistent, disciplined defense. Chiefs are going to win that game by more than a touchdown. Bears visiting the New York Giants. Everyone fell in love with the New York Giants. That's why they're seven-point favorites this week against the Chicago Bears. Look, I could be wrong. The Giants have a better team than they have in years past since they were last in the Super Bowl. But they're also in a tough division. Every team in the NFC East is good this year. It's shocking. It's shocking. And the Giants, unlike their Super Bowl teams, they don't have much of a pass rush. Jay Cutler, you never know what you're going to get week to week. But I think this is going to be a solid week for him with that lack of a pass rush from the New York Giants. Not saying the Bears are going to win the game, but seven points is way too generous to give the Giants. Arizona Cardinals visiting the Minnesota Vikings. People are still in love with the Vikings. I've officially given up on them. Their offensive line, because they couldn't rebuild it quick enough. Injuries have been a problem. Poor Sam Bradford. I was so excited for him. I thought... He had just landed in a great situation, then he lost two tackles, and that's it. Arizona Cardinals, they've been a bit of a disappointment this season, but I'm picking them. That defense is going to be rough on Minnesota, and the Cardinals' offense should be able to get enough done against Minnesota's pretty athletic defense. But picking the Cardinals, even though they're on the road, they're the underdog. Arizona's going to win that one. Miami... Visiting the L.A. Rams, this is an intriguing matchup. Jared Goff starting in his first career NFL game. Most likely because either the Rams have given up on their season because they have a long way to go, they're way out of the playoff picture, or because pressure from ownership or public relations. Maybe the Rams are losing steam in L.A., I don't know. But Jared Goff is starting that game. I don't think he's ready, but... I wouldn't bet on this. Maybe he is. They've had Case Keenum behind center. But I don't think it's all been Keenum's fault. And I don't think Goff... He's more athletic than Keenum, certainly. He's probably a more, a better pure talent. But I wouldn't trust him. Picking Miami, but save your money. Save your money on that one. New England Patriots visiting the San Francisco 49ers. Uh, Patriots are 13-point favorites. Look, the Patriots have done a great job of covering the spread this season. I think they're 7-2, which is unheard of. It's unheard of. But 13 points on the road without Rob Gronkowski, most likely. I don't know. I Maybe the Patriots will win by two touchdowns, but I'm not sure. I think it'll, it'll be more like a 10-point win for New England. Philadelphia visiting Seattle. Seahawks coming off a big win on the road in Foxborough. They're six and a half point favorites. Watch out for this matchup. Picking Seattle by a field goal. Not, do not take the points in this game. 
risky decision to pick the Seahawks. Six and a half point favorites against the Philadelphia Eagles. Great defense. You know, New England's defense is mediocre and the Seahawks offensive line handled them very well last week. Philly's pass rush is a different story. This could be a trap game for the Seahawks. Green Bay versus the Washington Redskins in D.C. Redskins are two and a half point favorites. All right, if you have faith in Aaron Rodgers, pick the Green Bay Packers. But I've lost faith in him. I really have. And here's why. I mentioned pro football focus earlier. They rate offensive lines week to week. They put the Green Bay Packers at number five. Or or number three. I, I don't know. I'm not on the website right now. But they're one of the best. Green Bay Packers have one of the best offensive lines in football. It didn't start out that way, but they've gotten their crap together. Rodgers has had a lot of time to throw the football, and he's still not finding his receivers. He has all of his receivers back. I don't know what the issue is. At some point, we're going to have to blame Aaron Rodgers. But Washington, they get first down. They convert on third. They get first downs. They convert on third downs. They can score in the end zone. I'm picking the Washington Redskins. I'm going to pick them to win by like 10 points. I think that's a no-brainer. They're only two and a half point favorites. At least a field goal, certainly. And then finally, the Monday night game. By the way, that Green Bay Redskins game, Sunday night football. Packers lose. There's going to be a lot of press on Aaron Rodgers the next day. Monday night football game will be Houston Rocket, uh, Houston Rocket, Houston Texans visiting the Oakland Raiders. Raiders are six point favorites. This is oh, actually, this isn't in Oakland. This is in Mexico City. Ah. Uh, I'm going to pick the Raiders. I'm only picking the Raiders. I think six points is a lot to give them because Houston is a 6-3 and three team. But most of those wins have been against bad teams, and they barely won those games. Derek Carr is clicking right now. He's another MVP candidate. I'm going to pick the Oakland Raiders. Taking the points in that one. So that's it for today's podcast. Uh, I will see you next week actually going to be seeing the Patriots and the Niners this Sunday, but probably the game to watch that I, I'm most excited to watch is, uh, I, actually I'm probably not going to be able to watch it, but the Miami Dolphins and the LA Rams, that will be fascinating to see what Jared Goff does in his first game. Is he ready? I'm going to bet he's not ready, but maybe he is. Till next week, goodbye.